Chapter Six of Red Nails by Robert E. Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six: The Eyes of Tassella. Why did you bring me into this chamber to bandage my legs? Demanded Valeria. Couldn't you have done it just as well in the throne room? She sat on a couch with her wounded leg extended upon it, and the Tecolthi woman had just bound it with silk bandages. Valeria's red-stained sword lay on the couch beside her. She frowned as she spoke. The woman had done her task silently and efficiently, but Valeria liked neither the lingering, caressing touch of her slim fingers, nor the expression in her eyes. "'They have taken the rest of the wounded into the other chambers,' answered the woman, in the soft speech of the Tecolthi women which somehow did not suggest either softness or gentleness in the speakers. A little while before, Valeria had seen this same woman stab a Zotalok woman through the breast and stamp the eyeballs out of a wounded Zotalok man. "'They will be carrying the corpses of the dead down into the catacombs,' she added, "'lest the ghosts escape into the chambers and dwell there.' "'Do you believe in ghosts?' asked Valeria. I know the ghost of Tolkemec dwells in the catacombs, she answered with a shiver. Once I saw it, as I crouched in a crypt among the bones of a dead queen. It passed by in the form of an ancient man, with flowing white beard and locks, and luminous eyes that blazed in the darkness. It was Tolkemec. I saw him living when I was a child, and he was being tortured. Her voice sank to a fearful whisper. Olmec laughs, but I know Tolkemec's ghost dwells in the catacombs. They say it is rats which gnaw the flesh from the bones of the newly dead. But ghosts eat flesh. Who knows but that— She glanced up quickly as a shadow fell across the couch. Valeria looked up to see Olmec gazing down at her. The prince had cleansed his hands, torso, and beard of the blood that had splashed them, but he had not donned his robe and his great dark-skinned hairless body and limbs renewed the impression of strength bestial in its nature. His deep black eyes burned with a more elemental light, and there was the suggestion of a twitching in the fingers that tugged at his thick blue-black beard. He stared fixedly at the woman, and she rose and glided from the chamber. As she passed through the door, she cast a look over her shoulder at Valeria, a glance full of cynical derision and obscene mockery. "'She has done a clumsy job,' criticized the prince, coming to the divan and bending over the bandage. "'Let me see.' With a quickness amazing in one of his bulk, he snatched her sword and threw it across the chamber. His next move was to catch her in his giant arms. Quick and unexpected as the move was, she almost matched it for even as he grabbed her, her dirk was in her hand and she stabbed murderously at his throat. More by luck than skill he caught her wrist, and then began a savage wrestling match. She fought him with fists, feet, knees, teeth, and nails, with all the strength of her magnificent body, and all the knowledge of hand-to-hand -hand fighting she had acquired in her years of roving and fighting on sea and land. It availed her nothing against his brute strength. 
She lost her dirk in the first moment of contact, and thereafter found herself powerless to inflict any appreciable pain on her giant attacker. The blaze in his weird black eyes did not alter, and their expression filled her with fury, fanned by the sardonic smile that seemed carved upon his bearded lips. Those eyes and the smile contained all the cruel cynicism that seethes below the surface of a sophisticated and degenerate race, and for the first time in her life Valeria experienced fear of a man. It was like struggling against some huge elemental force. His iron arms thwarted her efforts with an ease that sent panic racing through her limbs. He seemed impervious to any pain she could inflict. Only once, when she sank her white teeth savagely into his wrist, so that the blood started, did he react. And that was to buffet her brutally upon the side of the head with his open hand, so that stars flashed before her eyes, and her head rolled on her shoulders. Her shirt had been torn open in the struggle, and with cynical cruelty he rasped his thick beard across her bare breasts, bringing the blood to suffuse the fair skin, and fetching a cry of pain and outraged fury from her. Her convulsive resistance was useless. She was crushed down on a couch, disarmed and panting, her eyes blazing up at him like the eyes of a trapped tigress. A moment later he was hurrying from the chamber, carrying her in his arms. She made no resistance, but the smoldering of her eyes showed that she was unconquered in spirit at least. She had not cried out. She knew that Conan was not within call, and it did not occur to her that any in Tecluthi would oppose their prince. But she noticed that Olmec went stealthily with his head on one side as if listening for sounds of pursuit, and he did not return to the throne chamber. He carried her through a door that stood opposite that through which he had entered, crossed another room, and began stealing down a hall. As she became convinced that he feared some opposition to the abduction, she threw back her head and screamed at the top of her lusty voice. She was rewarded by a slap that half stunned her, and Olmec quickened his pace to a shambling run. But her cry had been echoed, and twisting her head about, Valeria, through the tears and stars that partly blinded her, saw Tecotl limping after them. Olmec turned with a snarl, shifting the woman to an uncomfortable and certainly undignified position under one huge arm, where he held her writhing and kicking vainly like a child. "'Olmec!' protested Tecotl. "'You cannot be such a dog as to do this thing. She is Conan's woman.' She helped us to slay the Sotalanks, and— Without a word, Olmec balled his free hand into a huge fist and stretched the wounded warrior senseless at his feet. Stooping, and hindered not at all by the struggles and imprecations of his captive, he drew Tecotl's sword from its sheath and stabbed the warrior in the breast. Then, casting aside the weapon, he fled on along the corridor. He did not see a woman's dark face peer cautiously after him from behind a hanging. It vanished, and presently Tecotl groaned and stirred, rose dazedly and staggered drunkenly away, calling Conan's name. 
Olmec hurried on down the corridor and descended a winding ivory staircase. He crossed several corridors and halted at last in a broad chamber whose doors were veiled with heavy tapestries, with one exception, a heavy bronze door similar to the door of the eagle on the upper floor. He was moved to rumble, pointing to it. That is one of the outer doors of Tecolthi. For the first time in fifty years it is unguarded. We need not guard it now, for Zotalank is no more. Thanks to Conan and me, you bloody rogue, sneered Valeria, trembling with fury and shame of physical coercion. You treacherous dog! Conan will cut your throat for this. Olmec did not bother to voice his belief that Conan's own gullet had already been severed according to his whispered command. He was too utterly cynical to be at all interested in her thoughts or opinions. His flame-lit eyes devoured her, dwelling burningly on the generous expanses of clear white flesh exposed where her shirt and breeches had been torn in the struggle. "'Forget Conan,' he said thickly. "'Olmec is lord of Zuccotl. Zotalank is no more. There will be no more fighting.' We shall spend our lives in drinking and love-making. First, let us drink. He seated himself on an ivory table and pulled her down on his knees, like a dark-skinned satyr with a white nymph in his arms. Ignoring her un-nymph-like profanity, he held her helpless with one great arm about her waist, while the other reached across the table and secured a vessel of wine. Drink, he commanded forcing it to her lips as she writhed her head away. The liquor slopped over, stinging her lips, splashing down on her naked breasts. "'Your guest does not like your wine, Olmec,' spoke a cool, sardonic voice. Olmec stiffened. Fear grew in his flaming eyes. Slowly he swung his great head about and stared at Tassella, who posed negligently in the curtained doorway one hand on her smooth hip. Valeria twisted herself about in his iron grip, and when she met the burning eyes of Tessella, a chill tinged along her supple spine. New experiences were flooding Valeria's proud soul that night. Recently she had learned to fear a man. Now she knew what it was to fear a woman. Omek sat motionless a gray pallor growing under his swarthy skin. Tassella brought her other hand from behind her and displayed a small gold vessel. "'I feared she would not like your wine, Olmec,' purred the princess. "'So I brought some of mine, some I brought with me long ago, from the shores of Lake Zuad. Do you understand, Olmec?' Beads of sweat stood out suddenly on Olmec's brow. His muscles relaxed, and Valeria broke away and put the table between them. But, though reason told her to dart from the room, some fascination she could not understand held her rigid, watching the scene. Tassella came toward the seated prince with a swaying, undulating walk that was mockery in itself. Her voice was soft, slurringly caressing, but her eyes gleamed. Her slim fingers stroked his beard lightly. 
You are selfish, old Mac, she crooned, smiling. You would keep our handsome guest to yourself, though you knew I wished to entertain her. You are much at fault, old Mac. The mask dropped for an instant. Her eyes flashed. Her face was contorted, and with an appalling show of strength, her hand locked convulsively in his beard and tore out a great handful. This evidence of unnatural strength was no more terrifying than the momentary bearing of the hellish fury that raged under her bland exterior. Olmec lurched up with a roar and stood swaying like a bear, his mighty hands clenching and unclenching. Slut! His booming voice filled the room. Witch! She-devil! Tecolthi should have slain you fifty years ago. Be gone! I have endured too much from you. This white-skinned wench is mine. Get hence before I slay you. The princess laughed and dashed the blood-stained strands into his face. Her laughter was less merciful than the ring of flint on steel. <laughs> Once you spoke otherwise, Olmec, she taunted. Once in your youth you spoke words of love. Ah, you were my lover once years ago, and because you loved me, you slept in my arms beneath the enchanted lotus, and thereby put into my hands the chains that enslaved you. You know you cannot withstand me. You know I have but to gaze into your eyes with a mystic power a priest of Stygia taught me long ago, and you are powerless. You remember the night beneath the black lotus that waved above us, stirred by no worldly breeze. You scent again the unearthly perfumes that stole and rose like a cloud about you to enslave you. You cannot fight against me. You are my slave, as you were that night, as you shall be as long as you shall live, O Mech of Zuchotl. Her voice had sunk to a murmur like the rippling of a stream running through starlit darkness. She leaned close to the prince and spread her long, tapering fingers upon his giant breast. His eyes glazed, his great hands fell limply to his sides. With a smile of cruel malice, Tassela lifted the vessel and placed it to his lips. Drink. Mechanically the prince obeyed, and instantly the glaze passed from his eyes, and they were flooded with fury, comprehension, and an awful fear. His mouth gaped but no sound issued. For an instant he reeled on buckling knees, and then fell in a sodden heap on the floor. His fall jolted Valeria out of her paralysis. She turned and sprang toward the door, but with a movement that would have shamed a leaping panther, Tassella was before her. Valeria struck at her with her clenched fist and all the power of her supple body behind the blow. It would have stretched a man senseless on the floor. But with a lithe twist of her torso, Tassella avoided the blow and caught the pirate's wrist. The next instant Valeria's left hand was imprisoned 
and holding her wrists together with one hand, Tassella calmly bound them with the cord she drew from her girdle. Valeria thought she had tasted the ultimate in humiliation already that night, but her shame at being manhandled by Olmec was nothing to the sensations that now shook her supple frame. Valeria had always been inclined to despise the other members of her sex, and it was overwhelming to encounter another woman who could handle her like a child. She scarcely resisted at all when Tassella forced her into a chair, and, drawing her bound wrists down between her knees, fastened them to the chair. Casually stepping over Olmec, Tassella walked to the bronze door and shot the bolt and threw it open, revealing a hallway without. Opening upon this hall, she remarked, speaking to her feminine captive for the first time, there is a chamber which in old times was used as a torture-room. When we retired into Techolfi, we brought most of the apparatus with us, but there was one piece too heavy to move. It is still in working order. I think it will be quite convenient now. An understanding flame of terror rose in Olmec's eyes. Tassella strode back to him, bent, and gripped him by the hair. He is only paralyzed temporarily, she remarked conversationally. He can hear, think, and feel. Aye, he can feel very well indeed. With which sinister observation she started toward the door, dragging the giant bulk with an ease that made the pirate's eyes dilate. She passed into the hall and moved down it without hesitation, presently disappearing with her captive into a chamber that opened into it, and whence, shortly thereafter, issued the clank of iron. Valeria swore softly and tugged vainly, with her legs braced against the chair. The cords that confined her were apparently unbreakable. Tassella presently returned alone. Behind her a muffled groaning issued from the chamber. She closed the door, but did not bolt it. Tassella was beyond the grip of habit, as she was beyond the touch of other human instincts and emotions. Valeria sat dumbly, watching the woman in whose slim hands the pirate realized her destiny now rested. Tassella grasped her yellow locks and forced back her head, looking impersonally down into her face. But the glitter in her dark eyes was not impersonal. I have chosen you for a great honor, she said. You shall restore the youth of Tassella. Oh, you stare at that. My appearance is that of youth, but through my veins creeps the sluggish chill of approaching age, as I have felt it a thousand times before. I am old, so old I do not remember my childhood. But I was a girl once, and a priest of Stygia loved me, and gave me the secret of immortality and youth everlasting. He died, then, some set by poison, but I dwelt in my palace by the shores of Lake Zuad, and the passing years touched me not. So at last a king of Stygia desired me, and my people rebelled and brought me to this land. Olmec called me a princess. I am not of royal blood. I am greater than a princess. I am Tassella, 
whose youth your own glorious youth shall restore. Valeria's tongue clove to the roof of her mouth. She sensed here a mystery darker than the degeneracy she had anticipated. The taller woman unbound the Aquilonian's wrists and pulled her to her feet. It was not the fear of the dominant strength that lurked in the princess's limbs that made Valeria a helpless quivering captive in her hands. It was the burning, hypnotic, terrible eyes of Tassella. End of chapter 6